welcome to the first Real World podcast hosted by myself, Anushka, Esme and Sophie. So the purpose of this podcast is, so we're three students of geography and we found that in our school, in our year, that many people kind of didn't enjoy geography because they saw it as boring, you know, colouring in maps. And so our aim is to kind of take what we think is really interesting um, geography knowledge from around the world and kind of basically enlighten you. So the first area that we want to cover in our podcast is introducing an interesting, famous, influential geographer. And today we wanted to discuss some young activists that really inspired us. Um, so there are two girls called Amy and Ella. They are 16 and 14 and from the UK. And with their initiative in, in protecting the environment, they started a movement called Kids Against Plastic. And they've been incredibly successful in what they've done. Um, considering it was purely fueled as a passion project. Really shocked about the impact we're having on our environment and they really wanted to do something about it. Um, so their first goal was to make UK supermarkets stop stocking plastic water bottles. Um, and now they've made over 50 cafes, schools, businesses, festivals and even councils plastic clever they've done a TED talk and plastic cleanups and I think they're just really inspiring young girls so I'm going to be talking about something that you've always wanted to know but haven't really been able to find out so I'm sure many of you have heard about the Dead Sea but may not know why it's actually got that name so the Dead Sea is a sea bordering Jordan and Israel and the surface and shore are 427 meters below sea level so it's actually the lowest water body on earth um, the water there is 10 times saltier than normal seawater um, and it formed, so it started off as a saltwater lagoon, um, but then tectonic plates shifted um, and earthquakes, and as they do normally, and the land between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean rose, um, so it was cut off from the water supply of the Dead Sea, so it left it landlocked. Um, so the sea is usually fed by freshwater springs and aquifers, and due to the lack of the water actually leaving, the water gathered in the Dead Sea and then evaporated, basically just leaving behind salt. So um, that's why it means that organisms can't actually survive there. So that's why it's called the Dead Sea. Um, and if you were to ever go visit there, you can actually float on top. Um, so you can't actually swim underneath it. Have any of you guys ever been to the Dead Sea? No, no but it's, it's on my bucket cool. list. Yeah, I definitely want to go. Um, to something else that we wanted to discuss are some climate change stories and tips and tricks, recommendations, all to do with sustainability. So the news story that I read recently, which I was really happy to read, was that one of Britain's two remaining coal-fired power stations is due to close. Um, it's been generating energy since 1966 and it's called West Burton A Power Station in Nottinghamshire. So the EDF energy company said that it would shut down by September 2022, which is not that far away. So it's keeping us on track to reach our sustainability goals set as a nation. So there's only one coal-fired power station left to be announced closure. And the government set a deadline to close all of Brit Britain's coal-fired power stations by October 2025. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them to make sure that they're all shut because we don't want any more coal pollution in Britain. Um, and although it does employ about 170 people at the moment, I think those loss of jobs will definitely be combated by the environmental benefit of lower carbon pollution.
and they could potentially be um, get new jobs in the plants that will replace them, such as renewable energy. So I'm also currently reading Donut Economics by Kate Raworth, um, which is an economics book, but I think it has a really good through line of environmental sustainability and discussing the overall message of redesigning the economies of the world to meet the needs of society, also within the limits of the Earth's resources. I'm only about halfway through at the moment, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and she just talks about really inspiring concepts that make the reader question why the world works the way it is, um, and also talking about how it got to where we are. So old economic principles that actually are outdated but are just carried forward because nothing better has been created. So she's talking about ideas of, you know, changing the goal of our economies away from GDP and more to social environmental needs um, and introducing regenerative and distributive design. So definitely give that a go if that interests you. Although it does require some prior economic knowledge, it's definitely a really good place to start if you're thinking about you know regenerating the way that the world works and futuristic thinking. Um, so for the main part of um, today's episode I decided to find a really interesting article um, or what I thought was really interesting about kind of geopolitics and international relations. Um, so the one I got was from BBC News yesterday and it was talking about Russia and China hitting back at Western sanctions. Um, so I'm going to kind of paint the picture of what happened and how that kind of links with what's happened previously and kind of what tariffs are and how they're used by different countries. Um, so yesterday, Russia and China jointly condemned Western nations a day after the U EU, UK, US and Canada blacklisted some senior Chinese officials for rights abuses against ethnic Uyghur Muslims. Um, so obviously, I kind of have to explain parts of that. Um, so generally what happens is when countries are seen to kind of have broken human rights laws, economic laws, kind of generally have behaved badly, um, other countries are entitled to impose tariffs um, on them. And tariffs kind of mean that um, imported and exported goods um, cost more, meaning that people will buy less of them because they're more expensive. Um, so the EU and kind of Western countries decided to do that to China after um, reports that, I can't remember how many, I think it was a million um, Uyghur Muslims were being held in what China calls re-education camps, um, which are you know, reports are saying they're really, really awful. And so the Western countries kind of condemn them for that. However, Russia and China both retaliated. Um, Do you know if these sort of Western countries have ever placed sanctions on China for anything else before? Um, yeah, so I can't remember actually what was the reason that started it. But um, I don't know if you remember, there was the US-China tariff war where they kind of didn't stop putting tariffs on each other because obviously putting tariffs on one good leads to, for example, the US putting tariffs on the other goods and China basically retaliating. Um, so it's kind of similar to that, um, but it's also linking to kind of human rights, um, which is obviously a really important issue and kind of 
makes it all the more distressing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like I've seen a lot of social media movements about this um, and gaining a lot of traction on platforms like that. So I'm really happy to hear that stuff's being done about it. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I actually didn't know that they'd um, impose sanctions, which I think is really important because I feel like, you know, we do demonstrations and marches in, well, noticeably London, um, but in loads of major cities across the UK. And I think that we don't actually hear about when our government does do these actions of, you know, international relations. Um, Especially when you're not, you know, really up to date with the news, which is obviously a good thing to do, but some people aren't. Yeah. So I think it is, um, I think it is a really positive thing um, in, you know, in our, in our eyes in the Western world. Um, kind of, you know, keeping with the Western versus the rest of the world theme. Um, in, so visiting NATO in Brussels, um, the US Secretary of State stressed his government, so the US government's opposition to the Russian Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, which will run under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany. So Nord Stream 1 already exists, and it provides a lot of gas um, to Europe. Um, the EU is already getting 40% of their gas from Russia, and obviously they kind of harking back to times of the Cold War when it was kind of EU-US versus communist Russia. Um, so they are kind of worried about this increasing of influence from the Russian side and they want to get more gas from countries like the US and Norway. So is there a reason why you think we get 40% of gas from Russia? Um, well, I think previously it's because the reason why we don't get more from the US is that they have to liquefy it um, in order to transport across the Atlantic Ocean. Whereas obviously if it comes from Russia under the sea in kind of pipelines, then that's obviously much quicker, much cheaper, much easier. Um, I'm not sure why we don't get more gas from Norway, but I'm assuming it's because there is less of it and the infrastructure hasn't been properly built um, yet. But obviously we don't know kind of how that will extend in the future, what the UK will do, um, what the EU will do. So obviously we can look more into that in potential future podcasts. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the end of my um, main segment. I hope you found that interesting and not too difficult. It's on the BBC um, if you want to find it. There's loads of interesting stuff. There's also really interesting documentaries um, about Nord Stream so yeah check those out i've also read a book called prisons of geography which kind of discusses these geopolitics international relations sort of topics and specifically i remember there was a section on these um education camps in china and i feel like it's really helpful when these social movements build up about it to actually understand the reasoning behind it away from like a, a biased perspective just what China are trying to achieve out of it whether it's right or wrong just having a greater understanding of it really helps so if this interests you then yeah. prisons of geography will be good and that is it that is the first episode of the real world podcast we really really hope you enjoyed um, and we're really looking forward to having speakers on soon and you know where this podcast will take us and things we'll discuss thank you so much for getting to the end of this hopefully it wasn't too boring um, we didn't drag you along um, 
we're still getting used to how to run a podcast and speak fluently. Yeah, so next week we'll be talking about the impacts of space travel. So tune in if you want to listen to that. And I just wanted to thank our hosts here today, Esme and Sophie. And we really as hope- As well as Anushka. <laughs> and we really hope to see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.